0: It's very good to be here in Bakersfield. I know yesterday we enjoyed very much uh, going to the wedding of Sal and Diana and we wish them the very best and we all pray for them as they uh, go about their Christian life together. It's just a, a wonderful thing that we can band together as husband and wife, as Christians in a congregation and we can help each other out, we can strengthen each other. Looking at this story here in 1 Samuel, we look at uh, this giant Goliath. And Goliath is more than any man can face. Goliath is wearing more pounds of armor than I weigh. And, and I'm not at that fighting weight either, I guess you would say. This man is so big. He's not something that, you know, the first guy just trots out and, uh, and uh, you know goes up against this six cubits six cubits is nine foot tall plus another six inches so this guy is very tall we've never seen a guy as big as goliath in our lifetime the tallest man right now on earth is roughly eight foot tall and i saw a picture of him the other day and his picture was taken uh, in new york on wall street and um, Of all the things that he was looking to do while in the United States something he said was he would really like a little romance and he would really like to be able to get married someday. but he just hasn't found that eight foot tall woman yet. So uh, everything's not great for guys who are nine foot tall but they are pretty fierce when they come out to battle you. So in this story the Israelites had a great problem, there's nobody there who's going to hustle right out here. They are at war with the Philistines. The Philistines have this huge guy, they made a challenge. And you know, think about this also, just because the guy comes out in the middle of the field and says, I'm nine foot tall and I can beat anybody in the Israel army, why don't you send one man out here to fight me? That's no reason for the Israelites to agree. They could have just said, forget you, dude. We're not going to do one-on-one here. We're going to send 100 guys out to fight this one big guy because that's the way we want to do it. But for some reason, the Israelites think I got to fight on this guy's terms. We have to go out and we have to fight this guy. And no no, no single guy in Israel by himself can go out and do this. They knew they had a fight that they couldn't win. And Jesus told us, don't get into a fight that you can't win. In Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 31, it says, Or what king is going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet who, him who has, I'm sorry, to meet him who comes out against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks the conditions of peace. Jesus said, don't just jump into these fights when you know you're not going to win. He said a king doesn't go out with 10,000 men when he sees another king coming against him with 20,000 men. It doesn't make sense. So what happened in this story? What did David do in this story? Look at 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, looking down at verse 32, it says, Then David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight against him. You are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. So here, um, Saul the king here hears David. And David is talking about going and fighting this Goliath. And you might think, you know, the first time he heard this or when this first came up, you might think, this is just some brash talking teenager. And, you know, you've you've all been around teenagers who thought they could just take the world by the tail, they were the toughest guys in the world and the, and here comes this teenager guy, not even the biggest toughest guy in Israel, here comes this teenager guy up to the king saying don't worry about it I'm gonna go out and fight this guy. So what do you think the king thinks? Um, well, you know, the king's gotta think, what, what is up with this guy? Does he think he's invincible or what? But this was not the case with David. This was not the case with David. He did not think, I am so young and tough that nothing's going to happen to me. He had something else that he knew about, and that was God. In verse 34 it says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth, And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defiled the armies of the living God. I'm sorry, defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So David, he knows that he cannot face this challenge by himself. He's not just up at the king's face saying, Ah, you know, you guys are all scared and all that, and I can go out there and do this. He knows he can't do it by himself. And he knows also he does not have to fight this giant by himself. He knows that God is on his side. And when he talks to the king about God and his faith in God, then the king recognizes that this faith of David is greater than the faith of the rest of the army of Israel because they have just been cowering on their side. But this man has faith. Even though he's young, he has great faith. And you know, what I said before, when you get ready to fight, don't let your enemies set the rules just because this guy came out and said send one guy out here to fight me is no reason why Israel should have said oh well they've got this plan for us to fight against them and just go out there on their rules that is a problem that we have when we come up to face evil we think that we have to face evil on evil's terms when we go up against something we think well that's the way the world works and we try to beat temptation on our own it's just when we have a temptation, we're like, we're gonna tough it out or we're gonna just do that. But that's what Satan wants you to think. That's the enemy's rules. The enemy's rules wants you to think, it's Satan against me when I have a temptation. But that's not it at all. We have God, we always have God. And when we're in the middle of the army of God like this congregation here and we're coming up against a temptation, we're coming up against the enemy, there's no reason for us to think it's us against them. It's one against one. It's us against Satan. It's not. It's all of us against evil. And when we come up against that problem, we need to look around and say, hey, I need some help here. Let's get some help from some people around here. We don't have a problem with that. If we're out playing tennis, we're doing something, the ball goes over the fence, we see some other people, we yell, hey, little help over there. And they go get the ball and they throw it back. But when we come up against something, we don't think to turn around to the other Christians and say, how about a little help over here? That's why we're here, that's why we're together. Get some help. So here's the part of the story that caught my eye the other Sunday when when Dwayne was teaching about the King David. In the 40th verse it says, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. You know, in this story leading up to the point here, it's all about David's faith in God. David is going up against this giant not because he's so strong, but because of his faith in God. It's all about how that God will deliver the Israelites. This story is all about how God will deliver them if they have faith in him. It's about how God is going to smite this giant. And we've heard the story before. We know who wins in the end. And personally, I expect God to do everything for me. If God's going to take care of something for me, um, I think that personally, it should be by lightning. God should have just struck down this Goliath guy by lightning, because I like lightning best. You know, if it's going to happen, I should be sitting in my recliner, I should be seeing it on TV, and it should happen by lightning. That's how God ought to take care of all of my problems. Now, maybe you also have your own personal way that you think God should take care of your problems. When evil comes up against you, you may just think, well, God ought to just stop it at the front door, God ought to just strike me deaf so I don't hear people taunting me. Or you may have this this whole thing that you like God to do things. Personally, mine's lightning. But that wasn't the attitude of David. He knew he had to prepare for the fight. And you look at this giant, you look at David and you go, what's this guy going to do to prepare for the fight? You know what? You're not the first person who thought that. You look at the story. You'll discover that there were other people who are saying, what's this guy going to have to do to prepare to fight this giant? You'll look at this story and you'll see the king brought his armor in and said, put this armor on David because David has to prepare for this fight. They put the armor on David and it was all just too heavy. It was cumbersome for him to do anything. Um, And you're reminded that David fought many battles after this. He fought battles his whole life and all the battles we see David after this, he's wearing armor, he's wearing a helmet, he's got a sword, he's got all these different things. David always prepared. He didn't say, well, I went and beat a giant with a slingshot, so the rest of my fighting career, I'm just going to carry a slingshot. Didn't happen that way. David always prepared. Um, And this time, he prepared five smooth stones out of the creek five smooth stones he went down to the creek and he got five smooth stones and you look at this you look at this giant and you look at David and throwing rocks at a guy nine foot tall is just pretty ludicrous he didn't just go out there and grab some stones and and say I'm gonna throw rocks at this guy until he goes home it didn't work that way he went and he got five smooth stones the same is true of our weapons to defeat sin. Some of them sound pretty ludicrous to the people in the world around us. They don't think a guy's gonna throw rocks at a giant till he goes home or dies. But it is through works of righteousness and it's our, that our faith is perfected. It is through our faith that we can, we can defeat evil, but we have to do the things. We have to do the things to prepare to fight against evil. Look at 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, reading the story through here in verse 45. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You have come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And so it was when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine, Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. So this is the story and we've heard it before. David took that stone, one of those five stones that he gathered up and incidentally he didn't just take one smooth stone but we only know that he put one in his sling and he killed this Philistine and he cut his head off and they went on and they defeated the army of the Philistines and three points I want to make about this story number one, David said before the fight that the Lord was going to save him David said the Lord is going to save me before this fight And after the fight, David said, God has saved me. But in between, he made preparation for the fight, and he fought. Now, all the time before, when I looked at this story, I remembered, he said, God is going to save me. And when God did save him, he said, God did save me. But I never remembered that in the middle, he made preparation, and he fought. And I think that's my problem a lot. I read and I study, I have faith in God, and I think, God is going to save me. Through faith, God is going to save me. And when I get through a temptation, I say, God saved me from that temptation. But I don't always remember, I gotta get ready to fight, and I gotta fight when it's happening. And that's the thing about the story that I always forget. Um, I always remember, God's going to do something. But I don't remember I got to do something there's a job in here for me if we're gonna fight on the Lord's side we have to make preparation and we have to engage in the battle we can't just sit in our recliners and expect God to take the fight to everybody for us you know something that we have to prepare for this fight is we have to prepare our hearts to be ready to fight on God's side before the Israelites went out to fight the Philistines, the prophet Samuel told them that they must first prepare their hearts. Looking in 1 Samuel the 7th chapter, looking at verse 3, it says, "Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asherahs from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines." So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. You know, we receive a very helpful um, lesson here from the prophet who says, put everything else out of your heart. Put all of those other things out of your heart that you're serving so that you can serve God. We have to purify our hearts. It's one of the first steps we must take to be ready to serve God and to defeat Satan. In this case the Israelites had to get rid of all the practices of worshiping idols. Nothing could come before God in their particular life. It's the same with us today. We have all sorts of religions in the world around us and some of those religions can just sneak into your thinking if you're not careful. And a lot of this stuff has come into our culture that we don't really realize. Now I was at work the other day in a meeting and someone said, let's all think positive thoughts so that we have good karma. I don't have good karma. I'm a Christian, I'm not Hindu. I don't worship in the Hindu religion. Karma is a Hindu religious thing. So I don't have good karma. And my response back to them, my karma is a Corvette with ma after it. I don't have it, I'm a Christian. And that's the things we have to think about. And we can't l- just let the religious things of the day sneak into our minds, sneak into our, our talk. So many times we hear people say, Mother Earth this and Mother Earth that. The Earth is not a mother. The Earth is just another possession of God. And when God is done with this Earth, he will, he will do away with it. So we can't just let these things sneak into our brains and suddenly we're saying, okay, everybody in the room have good karma. We're Christians. We don't have good karma. We're not part of the Hindu religion. We must purify our minds, purify our hearts. In 2 Chronicles, the 12th chapter, verse 14, it says, and he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Psalm, the 10th Psalm, verse 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, you will prepare their heart, you will cause your ear to hear. So we must prepare our hearts to worship God and to serve God and put all of these things of our culture, all of the other religions of our day out of our minds. We also have to prepare for our worship. We can't just you know, stumble through life and show up here every now and then and, and think that that is serving God. When the Israelites worshipped In the way that God required of them it took them days of preparation before their big feast days you know we have an example of the disciples getting ready for celebrating the Passover with Jesus in Matthew the 26th chapter Matthew 26 verse 14 it says now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus saying to him where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover Now it was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and these disciples, they knew that at the end of the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover was to be observed there, so they made preparation for it. It was a reminder to them, hey, at the end of these seven days is going to be the Passover. We have to get ready to celebrate the Passover somewhere. So they talked to Jesus about it. You know, we know that the end of every week, another week generally starts, unless Jesus comes to take us home. So we know when we're getting to the end of the week, another week's going to start, there's going to be a first day of the week coming up here pretty soon. So we need to make preparations. And it may be as easy as, you know, getting our life in order so that something doesn't come up unexpectedly on Sunday morning, and we just drive over to our local congregation. But you might be doing something special and you may have to make some preparation. And I don't say this to brag, but I will say this, that you have, sometimes you have to think months ahead to prepare for worshiping. Now, I was just in Hong Kong, and I don't know of a church in Hong Kong. I know of a church in the Philippines, and I know of a church in Malaysia. So, months ago, when I was making my preparation to Hong Kong, I bought an airline ticket that was gonna fly me four hours from Hong Kong over to Malaysia so that I could worship on Sunday. Now that's a case of making preparation. That's making preparation physically. I didn't wake up on Sunday morning in Hong Kong and say, how am I going to worship God today? You have to make preparation. You have to get ready for it in advance. I knew I was going to worship the Lord on Sunday because I had bought a ticket some months earlier. And I was going to be there. Now, it may be in your heart that you need to make this preparation. You may have done all kinds of things on Saturday. You may have gone to the best college football game. You may have done all kinds of stuff your team may have won. You may have gone to bed late and get up on Sunday and go, oh, I just can't make it. We have to make preparation every single week that we can worship God, that we can serve our God. We should be making. Plans and preparation always Hebrews the 10th chapter verse 24 and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching so we should be helping each other we should be making our own preparation and helping each other make preparation so that when it's time to worship God we are here, we are in the right mindset. And you know, when service is about to start, we need to to prepare our minds for worship also. And I know we love to see each other, we like to hug each other, shake hands, you know, talk to each other about what's going on in our life, but there's going to come a time that we have to be ready to worship. In Revelation the first chapter verse 9 it talks about John, it says, "I John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I don't know exactly what in the spirit on the Lord's day means. I, I just don't know that. But I know that John was ready. John was prepared to worship in his mind on the Lord's day. Now, Other things we have to do, we don't just come to this building. We have to prepare to do good works in our lives. And God knew that we needed to prepare for everything, and we do need to prepare to have success. The apostle wrote this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse five, it says, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So God knew that we as humans need to set some money aside in advance in order to do good things and to take, take care of the needs of the church. And. The Corinthians had said, we're going to do this, we're going to help these people that are in Jerusalem out, because they're having a famine and they can't work as much as they would like to, and we're going to help them out. And the Apostle Paul knew that they were human, just like the rest of us, so the Apostle Paul wrote them letters and said, hey, remember you said you were going to help the people out in Jerusalem? Well, now's the time to be ready to do this, not the day I show up. but..." Weeks ahead, months ahead, you need to set aside money in a treasury so that you can do what is good for the church, what is good for the people in Jerusalem. Not when I show up, then you go, you grumble around, you go, oh man, Paul's here already and we didn't put any money aside and, and you know, mm, I gotta make a payment on that boat and he's gonna want money from us. No, they were to prepare, we are to prepare. If we didn't give every Sunday to the Lord, there wouldn't be money ahead to support preachers. There wouldn't be money to maintain this building. There wouldn't be money to put out flyers when there's a meeting, all this kind of stuff because stuff happens to us every day in the world and things come up unexpectedly and we are to prepare to do good works. We are to prepare to do the work of God and to spread the gospel so that when something unexpected comes up, it doesn't bother us. Have you ever made a commitment to someone, and when it came time, you just weren't prepared for that? Guy calls you on the phone and goes, yep, this is the Saturday I'm moving. Yeah, you said you'd bring your truck over and help me move. And you go, hmm, my football team's on in 10 minutes. What am I going to do? Well, you make preparations. You set that VCR, or whatever they're called these days, and record that game. And you go over and you help this guy with your truck. but it can put you in a bad mood when you drive over to that friend's house and you're not watching your football game, you might start grumbling and you might just shuffle along when you're moving the furniture and grumble about everything. That's not what God wants us to do. In the matter of giving in 2 Corinthians the 9th chapter, verse 7, it says, So let each one of you give as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we're always to prepare to go, do good things. And we're not to grumble about them. We're, we're to put ourselves in the right mood so that when we're doing something good, we're not just shuffling along and grumbling about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, these people needed some help and, and go on like that. We're to prepare our minds. We're to prepare our lives for doing things that are good. We're also to prepare for eternity. There's more after this life. It's not over when when we pass from this life we're we're going on to greater things and here's some words that are spoken about Jesus around the time of his birth by a prophet in the temple that talks about that Luke the 1st chapter Luke 1 verse 76 it says and you child will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of god with which the day spring of the from on high has visited us to give a to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace so while we're on this earth we are preparing for eternal life we need to prepare by listening to the words of jesus so we will gain the knowledge of salvation. Jesus came here to give us the knowledge of salvation. We are to hear the gospel of salvation so we know what to do to be saved. We need to know how to gain remission of our sins so we can have peace with God and we can be his children. Jesus said in Mark the 16th chapter, verse 16 and 17, He said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The apostle Peter in the first gospel sermon in Acts 2, verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God will call. And in Matthew, the 10th chapter, Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And in Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 47 says, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving stripes shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to him much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So we have been giving the gospel. We are the age that has been given the gospel the remission of our sins we have received jesus christ on this earth and jesus christ has taught us what to do to be saved and we have to make preparation we can't just hear jesus say repent and be baptized we can't just hear jesus say believe and be baptized we can't just hear jesus say confess me before men we have to do these things so that we are prepared for eternity so we are prepared for meeting Jesus Christ at the end of this life. Because Jesus is doing his part. Jesus is right now preparing for us a place in heaven. He has given us the way to salvation, and he is now preparing in heaven. In John the 14th chapter, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus delivered to us the way. He delivered to us salvation, and he is making preparations for us. You know, we all know the power of God. and, And we would think, if I showed up on the doorstep of heaven today, I know that God and Jesus could whip up something just wonderful for me, a place for me to live. But he's not doing that. He's not waiting to the last minute. He's not waiting until you show up on the doorstep. Jesus is preparing the place right now. He's making something very good, not just something that he can whip up in a second. He's preparing a place for us in heaven, just like our earthly parents prepared a place for us when they knew that we were going to be born. I don't know, when we had children, before we had children, we had extra bedrooms. And then when we found out we're gonna have a child, suddenly we had a baby's bedroom or nursery if you call it or whatever. And that nursery looked a lot different than the room did before we knew somebody was coming. A child is coming. So we started painting it in soft baby colors we got a different kind of bed so that the baby didn't just fall out of the bed on the first day. All kinds of stuff like that. Good preparations when we knew a baby was coming. Well, Jesus knows Christians are coming to heaven and he's making a really nice place for us. And we have to make sure that we don't lose our focus and we do our part um, to go to heaven. In, uh, in John, the 14th chapter, verse 5, it's, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have lots of preparation to do. Just like David did. David looked at the situation. He saw this huge giant. He says, I can't do this by myself. Matter of fact, everybody in Israel said, we can't go fight this giant by ourselves, And so they said, we're not going to fight him on his terms. We're going to fight him on our terms. And David said, I am going to ask God to help me defeat this big, huge giant I got in front of me. And he went out there. God was going to help him. God did help him. But he fought the fight in the middle of it. We can't defeat sin by ourselves. We can't go out there and do something that is going to rid our life of sin. We have to rely on God. We know God has already made the preparation for us. Jesus Christ has been sacrificed for our sins. But we have to do something about it. We have to believe in Jesus Christ. We have to turn our lives around, repent of our sins, walk for Jesus Christ. We need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We need to be immersed in water for the remission of our sins in baptism. If we've done those things, we have to keep on fighting. We are not to just sit down after we're in the middle of the fight. We need to prepare ourselves every day to go out and fight against evil and fight against our temptations and ask people around us in the church, hey, come help me. i, I got to fight this evil. i got to fight this temptation. But we might fall back into temptation. It's not a reason for us to fall down and, and, and give up. They say the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people are not that, that successful people never fall down. It's that success peop- successful people get up after they've fallen down. And that's what God has offered us, a chance to get up. You fell down, you sinned, get up. Pray to God, ask for him for strength, but ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness of that sin so that you can get back up and the fight the battle once again.